right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast, wrapping up the UK British Open presented by Her Majesty. Um, the first two days were presented also by the Rory Foundation. Um, Shane Lowry. Oh, I'm sorry. And Her Majesty the Queen. And and Dubai Duty Free. Thank you. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I lose track sometimes. I get excited. Uh, Shane Lowry wins by six shots. Do I have that total right? Uh, six shots. Okay. That's correct. What is your guys? Uh, let's start with Big Randy. What's your lasting memory of the week? It will be Royal Portrush. I did not know what it looked like. I had no visual of it. It was really uh, fun. I'm glad I got to see four days of golf played there. And with an Irish winner winning in Ireland. Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. but On the island. On the island. Uh, that will be my enduring memory. Tron? God, it's tough to not just subjugate Randy's <laughs> take. I think Lowry. I mean, he it was a tour de force. He, uh, he was nails- uh, there wasn't really even a moment where you thought he was going to kind of give it away or even th- th- that it was in question. Like we thought he was Icarito yesterday. We, we said on the live show, is he like, is this becoming Icarito? And it's like, he literally flew into the sun and then he didn't, <laughs> never fell. He flew out the other side yeah. of it. DJ. Uh, I I'm of course, I'll remember both of those things as well, but a uh, big one for me is probably Rory. I mean, watching, watching him a hit that ball out of bounds on Thursday morning, Watching him come back and grind, trying to make the cut, watching him tear up and choke up in that post round interview. I mean, that was my my heart went out to uh, to Rory a lot this week. And that was that was kind of tough to watch. I think that's that's going to stay with me for a while. And that's why I wanted at least to focus the like our preview efforts on like setting the scene for what it meant for this tournament to go there, because I think. Even I didn't fully, fully understand it until we heard that interview and like the little shakes in his voice and the emotion. I was like. I, I, you know, I wanted to make the cut, but the whole thing was kind of a big laughing stock because it's like, Rory's like one of the best players in the world. And here we are trying to cheer him on to make the cut, but hearing his disappointment for not making it and seeing GMAC get the moment to walk up the 18th green here on Sunday today in front of his, you know, he's actually from Port Rush. Rory's not, but GMAC being from Port Rush to get that moment to walk up would, again, these guys never could have ever pictured this ever happening and growing up in Northern Ireland, but that, I, I think it can be kind of a trope too, because you, you play so many events in the States that go to guys, you know, kind of quote unquote hometowns or adopted hometowns. And you hear about, Oh gosh, ha- tiger's playing the Honda in his hometown and <laughs> all this stuff. And like, obviously nobody puts those totally in the same bucket, but you just, you hear it a lot. And I think it's easy to kind of get desensitized to stuff like that. And to see just how different this was and how not in that same league going to Royal Port Rush was for Rory. I want to congratulate Tron on getting the leaderboard surrounded, but not actually making any profit from uh, any of your pre-tournament bets. Well done. Thank you. That's almost like winning the, uh, the, you know, the, the who will not win of the who will not win, yeah. which we were all for emerge victorious on this. Who were you guys picks to not win? Uh, I had John Rahm. It was a little, uh, it was a little testy on Thursday. He and, was looking pretty good. But. Just to be clear on the who will not win. It is. You're not trying to pick somebody that obviously right. can't yeah. win. Right. You're trying of to, course. Trying to trying to fly as close to it here. Well, that's why I think you know the the best we've done is I think Solly and I picking Dustin at 
was it the, the masters the masters yeah where he finished second second <laughs> so i mean that's as good as you can do yeah try to you top pick that. the guy who finishes second that's as that's well, as admirable as you can get the best we've done is you if picking, i do say so myself <laughs> you picking reed to not win and he won well and that's where you fly a little but that's the risky run right <laughs> you know you gotta fly a little too close to the sun sometimes uh we breeze a little bit past lowry um I think when it, when he got when the lead got to four, Fleetwood had a putt for Eagle on twelve to make it a three shot lead. That was the only moment. But I had already tweeted the the picture of them getting the trophy engraved, so it, it was already over. It was that. <laughs> I even never, then, it's still, I'm which never I think too early. Fleetwood probably was feeling that at that time. Yes. He, he, I'm sure he'd seen the tweets. I think the yeah. one yeah. for me, it gets down to the Eagle putt on five that Tommy had. It's like, all right, if you're gonna. Yeah, this is real. You're gonna make this putt, and then there were so many, man. He flat like one was playing so difficult as we saw. He flagged it in there to inside ten feet from two hundred yards on one, and didn't really give that one the best effort. And he just, he just didn't look comfortable on the greens at all, which I know is is tough in the wind and that and all that stuff. And in that shirt, yeah, I'm yeah, sure well, he was catching some wind in the. Do we do we think it was two different shirts? He wore that same shirt twice this week. Is it the same one? Did he run it back? Yeah, wore it two or three times as well. Like it's, it's the Rorschach test. So shirt. let me let the me Rorschach. ask the Rorschach. Is it Rorschach and awe? Because Brooks and uh, Brooks and Tiger don't have to wear them. Do they? Does that mean Finau and Fleetwood have to wear them twice? Like they delegate Ooh, I didn't that think to about them? that. That's very interesting. Well, maybe maybe Brooks paid his penance with the, with the floral hats, or maybe Brooks just thing. paid Finau, <laughs> and you know Brooks and Tiger paid Finau and Fleetwood to to wear theirs. Probably, it's probably it's possible. Gonna, There's all stuff we can. We'll report back on all this stuff. Um, I felt like today would have been really, really freaking interesting. Like with those, con- like the conditions with a big leader, the only question in doubt was like, is he going to throw it all away? Is he going to go full JB Holmes? If the, if this was actually close today, it would have been so awesome. Yeah. It would have been s- great because nobody nobody in the last I don't, I don't, I don't I have not looked this up. I don't think anybody in the last hour broke par. I mean, all the scores that any, for, of anybody shooting under par were early this morning. I mean, Molinari's coverage was as I was waking up this morning was coming in under par, but no one else. Yeah, like, Molinari got all the way up to T eleven. Yeah, he was he was finished by the time the time I woke up. Which moving the tee times up seems to have really crowned the earliest guys, like the guys that were furthest back. Yeah, I suppose so. Oh, there was a lot of, like, Abby Bonrat shot 67, I think. Um, Kokrak shot 68. Ustajan shot 69. Uh, Molinari shot 66. Like, a lot of the guys that went off early were very, very much. Yeah, and, like, if I'm one of the later guys, I'm kind of like, dude, that, like, moved up to avoid all this shit, but we had to play and all this shit, and the younger the other guys right. did not. It was, I don't know. It matters in the in this championship. It like, does. Well, like let's get in. Let's get into uh, that during our faux controversy section okay. with Big Randy. <laughs> well, now I'm, I'm calling this a real controversy. Um, well, let's do this now. It was a uh, it was a dominant week for the number one putter in golf and our friends at Odyssey. Number one putter in play again at the Open with an astounding 65 putters in play, 42 percent of the entire field, almost twice as many as the next closest brand. To top it off. The champion golfer of the year used an Odyssey XO two ball putter with a Stroke Lab shaft en route to a six shot win at Royal Port Rush. The revolutionary Stroke Lab shaft designed with an innovative weight distribution. Are you using the Stroke Lab, DJ? I use the Stroke Lab. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. do you have to say about it? Uh, I think my putting stroke's not very good, but okay. still, I somehow shake putts in. So I, I, I got to credit that to the Stroke Lab. I know Big Randy. You know, many people say it's the pencil grip that has re- revamped his his game, brought him back from the dead. I'd say maybe it's the Stroke Lab, the Stroke Lab putter. It's certainly a combination of both. Yeah. You know, who who could say how much of <laughs> of each? 
Uh, it saves weight that's relocated into each uh, end of the putter to dramatically change performance dynamics to promote a smoother, more accurate, and most importantly, a more consistent stroke. That was pretty evident over the course of the last four days with the winner rolling in 23 birdies to etch his name on the claret jug. But he didn't etch his own name in. That's true. Someone else etched yeah, that's his name in. Gary Player etched his name <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might have to uh, send this back to Chad on the copy on that one. But visit, visit odysseygolf.com or your local golf shop today. Experience Stroke Lab technology. Start making more putts today. Odyssey, number one putter in golf. Just right. couldn't miss any putts. <laughs> what's, bur- what's, uh, what's the highest thing burning on your, uh, your guys' radar so far? Just Lowry, very deserving. Do you guys want to play a little trivia? Oh, Related sure. to the Open? Yeah, of course. Sure. I, I always love I always love. Do we shout game. it out or we raise our hand? Uh, you can shout it out, but I need you to not consult your scoreboards. Okay. So okay. five players shot even par or better all four rounds at Ooh. Port Rush. Can you name them? Um, it wasn't Shane Lowry, that's for sure. Five players. Even par or better? Danny Willett? No. John Rahm? Lee Westwood? No. Man. Kemka? No. It was over par today, I think. That's what I'm saying. Everyone on the back half today. Gosh. Finau? Finau's one. Hmm. Four others. Sheesh. Robert McIntyre? Mm. Big shot, Bob. Uh, Terrell. Terrell Hatton is two. Whoa. Three more. <laughs> I know he was. He climbed a lot of spots. Today. Did we say Justin Rose already? Did somebody guess that? No, he shot a million today. No. The Rick the Rick Ricky? Rose. No. No, Ricky was over, was over par today. <laughs> I don't know. This is no bad clue. radio. Why don't you just tell us who it is? So Patrick Reed. Okay. Whoa. The boy from Bratislava, Roy Sabatini. How about that? And wow. Doc Redman. Whoa. Does DJ need to apologize? I thought that's kind of cool. That is, that is really very cool. That's a great stat, Randy. Do you dig up your own stats or do you have someone who <laughs> works for you? No, I dig them well, on myself. Shout out to Bill Fields, our researcher over here. <laughs> well, I think the, that's interesting because DJ, um, DJ suggested that Doc Redman should... Should give his spot up. Yeah, I did. I, I think I would stand by that. I think it's a great week. Uh, no one's a bigger Doc Redman Doc Redman fan than me. But yeah, I mean, I think I still would have rather had Matt Wolf in there than Doc Redman finishing like twentieth. You're anti medicine. <laughs> the medicine man. That's a good nickname. The medicine man. He's a Christian. He's a Christian Quinn. scientist. <laughs> we kind of glanced over it, but obviously, I think. Uh, we were all kind of at least feelings, feeling something relating to Lowry coming up that last hole with with the with the oh, ir, the island of going. Ireland around yeah. him. Uh, we saw some people like Sean Martin was at the the golf course that he grew up playing. And yeah, it it I, from my understanding, he comes from very modest background and kind of. Well, a, did you hear the story that Dan Hicks shared on the air that when he was I think it was at when he won the Irish Open, he was renting a house before he turned pro. He was renting a house with his mom. His mom put, they were like scraping money by, apologies if I missed any of the details on this story, but they're just scraping money by. His mom went down and put 50 euros on him at 250 to one to win the Irish Open and he won. And that like <laughs> helped pay off the rental house that they were in and paid off a bunch of other stuff as well. So like, I think that probably kind of sets the scene for, for there, where they were at. Is there anything more baller than winning your national open as an amateur? <laughs> no, that might literally be as good as it gets. <laughs> and that round he had Saturday... So again, he Doc Redman didn't do that. 36 hole lead and shot 63. And it's like kind of easy to kind of scoff at a 63 in a major now that we've seen a 62 and it seems to happen a lot. But like that was literally the second best round in the history of it's, major championships. Insane. Well, I was going to say what was weird is his walk up 18 on Saturday almost felt more totally. emotional and like it, it, it was the Sunday walk, whereas yeah. the actual walk today on Sunday 
was a bit more subdued. Which actually um, like makes you think, I mean, just what his, you know, the 18 hours between right. rounds must have been like. If that's how he was feeling on Saturday walking up 18, think about all the time between, you know, the first tee on Sunday. I'd be super curious to know what he did. Yeah. Like, did he just go out to the pub and have a couple pints last night like he probably normally does? I don't know. I mean, I would, I don't know. I, I, I get like nervous before, like I just play like a nice course, you know, like I, <laughs> right. like I think about it a lot. I'm like, what time should I get there? Do I want, I don't want to hit too many balls. And like, it, it's a bad, always a bad sign. And it happens almost every year at the masters when there's like the surprise guy on top of the leaderboard and they like pan over the range and like, Oh, and uh smiley Kaufman has arrived three and a half hours before his tea time. And it's like, Oh no, 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 no. This is not going to end. Well, yeah, that's what we've talked to guys. Like when, when you get guys usually off the record, you know, to be candid about what it's like sleeping on the lead or whatever. I mean, they freak out. They can't sleep. They wake up at four in the morning. They try to eat breakfast. They try to like go to a movie or something to like totally take their mind off of it. It's, that'd be a good, uh, a good podcast itself. Just rounding up some stories like that. I almost be. feel like the way that, that Lowry, went about things today it was like yesterday was the big category climb in in the tour de france and he and he knows he won it and then today was the stage where he's going down the champs Elysees, and he just just don't fall off and he's just like he, he's, he's like sipping the champagne and yeah <laughs> and just trying not to fall off his bike or, or wreck i mean the, the conditions today i don't know how you can ever feel like what well, he probably wasn't able to experience cruise control today because like when the wind's whipping yeah. 20 and like the, they rained hard there for conditions 30 minutes really conditions were really tough <laughs> really tough out there but it almost felt like it like late later on it's it felt like it, it kind of helped him out because oh yeah because nobody could catch him like nobody like could nobody run else down. could do anything either yeah and if he if he just kept finding the fairway and getting it around the green he, he had a couple but he had three bogeys in a row i think at one point but it still didn't feel like he no, was losing ground no i mean time. his his one over 72 felt like 67 68 yeah. today yeah. Uh, what do you think about uh, Brooks seemed to be a little aggravated today, animated out on the golf course. There was a, a clip that was floating around Twitter of him uh, as J.B. Holmes is plumb bobbing in the background. He just gets disgusted and walked off the green. Will Gray tweeted that he had motioned to an RFNA official, like pointed at his watch, like, <laughs> let's get this going. And then said some things after the round. He said, um, you know, we were on pace for 13 holes, but we're always on pace if I'm in the group. And then <laughs> uh, was lambasting JB Holmes for not being ready to hit. That's the issue. Like before he even started his swing or started his shot routine, he wouldn't have his glove on and things like that. That was the thing on the first tee. Oh, it's awesome. I was going to say, so you're talking about like getting nervous the night before playing yeah. a big course and thinking about what time you're going to get there. Apparently JB Holmes doesn't do that. <laughs> he was not ready to hit on the first hole. Look, he hadn't seen the hole all week. He's just like, staring <laughs> down the fairway trying to figure out what he was going to hit didn't have his glove on sniped at ob didn't know what he wanted to hit zinger lit him up that was the best part i mean that it feels like and I, I am very guilty in this regard people are piling on this jb thing totally it doesn't have that much effect on the on like the fan watching at home i mean it's bad oh, but no, like it but that's sure. the things people were defending him uh, at Tory was that last year or two years ago? That was two years ago when he did it. Norm, it, it, it was, was like, bullshit. This is this is what you need to be pissed at, and you know, and people, and then now it's devolved into this whole. It's like its own thing now. But I feel like before it's like, yeah, like this is what you need to be pissed at. Yeah, I think these things just cross into almost like meme territory when it's just it gets to like a ubiquitous critical mass. It's like Bubba being a jerk a few years ago where it's like, no matter anything that he does, it's like, Oh, well, yeah, well, cause he's an asshole. And it's, it just is the centerpiece of every story around. Is he an asshole? Like maybe, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know him very well, but, but is counter- JB slow? Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't have to be at the I center of everything. Have he does. A problem when JB 
is on pace and people kind of pat him on the head and say, well, yeah, like, look at him. They're, they they yeah. played a four hour round. <laughs> yeah. They're only a hole behind. Like, this isn't that bad. The issue with it is like that he ignores all of it and never speaks on it and never like admits them when he's wrong or like is trying to get better. There's no attempt to get better by any measure. Well, does he have to though? He's never been penalized. That's it's unfair. I mean, he's living under par. <laughs> it's unsportsman, unsportsmanlike. You know what it is? It's not classy. It's not, it's, it's I'll, I'll meet you halfway there. What it's are some classy. of your, what are some of your classiest moments of the day that you saw today? Uh, oh gosh. Well, I know, you know, oh. one that you and I shared was hands was down Brooks's putter raise on five just after, after Fleetwood hit that close one in there. Really disappointed. We didn't get a slow-mo replay of it, but Fleetwood drives five and Brooks is up by the green and Brooks half-assed raised his putter at him. <laughs> he just it's, drove it to like eight, which yeah. I, to his credit, Brooks hit it closer than that. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, oh, you think that's cool? Yeah. I yeah. hit it closer than that. Yeah. I hit it to like, yeah, maybe Eagle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, up there also Shane Lowry on the 72nd hole, trying to quiet the crowd down for Tommy good. Fleetwood about to putt out. After he uh, whipped everyone into an absolute yeah. <laughs> raucous. Spieth and Fleetwood trying to figure out who, who oh, was, just turn was it. Such a display of class. Hicks pointing out that, uh, I can't remember whose caddy it was. Is it? Oh, it was, it was Lowry's caddy. Quite a good player in his own right. And a great player. In his own right. <laughs> well, you had a good point there. I think they should start outing the players who are not the caddies who are not good players. Somebody tweeted this at us. It was like, oh, and so his, his caddy Mick is a twenty-one handicap, and he's got a wicked two-way miss. <laughs> Before we move on from JB, you want another stat brought to you by yours truly? Sure. Oh, stat boy. Only player in the field to not shoot around in the 70s. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Almost didn't shoot one in the 80s either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, podcast world. Yours <laughs> truly. <laughs> Fires a final round 87. 87. That's a lot of strokes. That's a very ball don't lie moment. Which I didn't check his hole by hole, but are we sure like they didn't penalize him for <laughs> slow play? <laughs> He should have been at the Barbasol. Yeah, that was a good block. It's his I think hometown you're event. Out. Yeah, he skipped it. Classless to skip his hometown <laughs> event like that. Got what was coming to him. Trout says. Which you know what's weird, and maybe this is just being like totally ignorant or like, but it's just so weird to think about this. Fleet. It was actually Fleetwood's home country. Well, yeah. I'm, not even, I'm not even dipping my toe into this one. Well, I, kind I no of. Yeah. Because no, I mean, the, I, can't, I get the, all the politics. The UK me. is Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales, which is like, so, but a lot of people consider those co- individually countries, Northern Ireland separately. So the kingdom is kind of like a group of countries. It's very complicated. You can see why they fight over it for like 50 years or like more than that. More even like 1500 50 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I just, I just thought that was interesting to where, you know, and I, I thought Tommy handled it really well with the crowd being exceptionally pro. Yes. Uh, Lowry, but also I like when the crowds are really pro one person, I do by too, the way, for sure. makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. It was a weird look just flipping on uh, flipping on live from and like I know that, you know, the guys got to talk about whatever they got to talk about. But it's like, what is this going to mean to, you know, the country of Northern Ireland and how it relates to Irish Northern Irish relations? Let's go to Brandel Chambly, Jaime <laughs> Diaz and like Rich Lerner. I'm like, ah. I don't know. Maybe not the best guys to weigh in on <laughs> on what that means. To your point, but it felt at least to, it felt like this was a very we're much better guys. To weigh yeah, in yeah, yeah, I got this. Way. I got this. I've been to both of these countries before, so 
Uh, I, it felt like, you know, with all of the complications around the relationship there, this weekend did not feel like one of them at all. Like it, it was a storyline, like going into it. But if you didn't know any of that, you would have not felt one single part of <laughs> If you didn't of know any of that, you would have just thought they were in Ireland. Correct. <laughs> but like I'm saying, even with the crowd, the way it was treated, yeah. I don't think any, like there's not like, I would imagine like the Protestants of Northern Ireland were not rooting against Chain Lowry. I would imagine, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to put myself in that scenario, but it just didn't feel like a real thing while you, while you're on the, we obviously weren't on the ground, but it, no, it all felt very, very positive, which is great. <laughs> what well, you would does hope it, for. Does it kind of free, free Rory up a little bit in, cause I know he's going to play for Ireland at large in Japan Yeah, in 2020. Like it, it, it feels like it kind of frees him up to have it be less of an issue. You know, Hey, I'm yeah. think about that. I hope so. Yeah. I, some of the people that were tying Irish flags to umbrellas and waving them aggressively in the, in the air was maybe, maybe a slightly tad aggressive, <laughs> but they were supporting their fellow countrymen. So yeah, we, we could totally be like the ignorant Americans that are like, yeah, like these guys got the shit beat out of them after the, <laughs> after the tournament. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't know what by actually the t- Yeah. By the time this post, hopefully uh, <laughs> all of this still rings true. Um, why don't we do, uh, Randy, you're a big fan of faux controversies. I want you to kind of rank your, uh, your best con- controversies of the week well thank you solly i i don't want to rank him in terms of my favorite but i will say the the first faux controversy this week uh had to do with david duvall carding and first round was it 90 91 91 it was they had adjusted his handicap up to and 91. then he's a plus one uh randy doesn't want to was rank it 90 the or 91 this is it was not it was nine it was 90 and then it became 91 right, okay. because he changes 13 to a 14 <laughs> Randy doesn't want to rank him because he loves all of his controversies. <laughs> <laughs> They're all his children. Well, it was Alan Chipnuck who kind of stoked the flames and in, in saying Duvall's kind of playing tourist golf, making starts like this. His job now is more of a broadcaster. He's not a golfer. He's not playing week to week. He doesn't have any t- type of real schedule on the Champions Tour. You know, it's a little selfish uh for him to to play to take a start to take it away from somebody else and i i think i'm i think i'm there with alan i I think i think it's interesting now i want to say you hate history i want to say duvall has earned the right to make the start i get that i i you know i i get all of that but I, I think it's an interesting discussion. I, do, I think it's like a great discussion. Like it's a perfect example to, I mean, to the, to, to Shipnick's point, it's like, yeah, like Mark Kalkovecchia playing and he plays a regular schedule and, you know, is competitive on the PGA tour champions and Duval's not Tom so should Lehman, he be there. Same thing. Exactly. So I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, if you win it and you're exempt until you're 60 years old, like you have the right to hold that spot. I, I, I believe that pretty strongly. It sounds like part of Shipnick's point too, is that, Duval seemed somewhat joyless while he was doing it. Yeah. Like, like fans were like, yeah, I'm afraid to look at the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he, he did part, make a 14, but to the, that, that'll to, take the, take to, the sunshine out of anybody. I was going to say like to Duval's cry, like the punishment for that, if you're going to take up the spot is if you're going to post an embarrassing score, like people are going to talk about it yeah, and like, right. that's part of the deal. So like it, but it, th- that's the trade off. I think, well, I see what I, I think what will be interesting is next year, whether he makes the start or not, because you know, obviously he wasn't planning on shooting in the nineties. He burned uh, the first two holes. He was threatening the lead there for a while, <laughs> but you know, a score like this where he's 13 shots worse than the next guy is like a lot of that was one hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm on the other side of it. I, th- I have no problem with Duvaltine it up. I'm and with you. I, th- I think he's earned the right and he can 
do it however he wants. I mean, you, you look at John Daly making a mockery of, of the PGA <laughs> Championship. Like, you know, I think Duvall showed up. He didn't play well, but at the end of the day, like he's earned the right, regardless of what he does with his time outside of the Open Championship. He's earned the right to do that. He's, but I, I'll push back and say he's earned the right only because that's the way they wrote the rules. Like they could change the rules for sure. And then we would say, well, he hasn't earned. The right well, to that's make this. no, that's exactly where I'm at. And like, <laughs> if they change the rules, I would be like, all right, cool, yeah, like that makes sense. I'm, I'm fine with that. But until they do, I'm like, I'm totally fine with it being there. And I don't know really where this uh, controversy has been for the last like 40 years at the masters when you, you well, watch guys go change. like giggle around and, and shoot 80. No, they Randy changed their policy. Charles well, they, they get the tap on the shoulder when they're like, yeah. That, and to be fair, the open change there's too. They, okay. You're not allowed after 60, I believe. Yeah. Which I think is why it was Tom Lehman's last one. Gotcha. So I think Duval kind of falls in that. He's kind of in the, uh, the no man's land a little bit between mm-hmm. being too young to be, you know, ousted and, and too old to really want to play competitive golf. So I think it's much ado about nothing is where I would fall. But listen, where I think this netted out, it shouldn't have admitted it was a rather boring afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> he was just trying to, trying to shake things Which up I'm, a little that bit. That part's sweet. Which, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> Can we save a couple of the other controversies? We kind of brushed past Port Rush a little bit. I want to talk a little golf course. Yeah, sure. A little chance to catch a breather here, but what did you guys, uh, what did you guys think of the golf course? I loved it. I thought it was... What'd you love about it? I, the runoffs specifically were my favorite part of it. I think the fact that, you know, we always talk about good shots or great shots being, you know, looking like great shots and average shots being treated as such. I think that was a, a perfect example of it this week was if you didn't fly it to the right shelf, if you didn't hit the right spot, I mean, it was probably rolling off. And we see that a lot in Lynx Golf, but we don't typically see it rolling into these like 15 foot craters that Royal Port Rush has. Like the misses were drastic, which I think even, you know, kind of is, is more of a testament to Shane Lowry shooting 15 under. Yeah. In that place. <laughs> it's nuts. I think the long, the long narrow greens were really cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I thought the course looked so cool just in these passing shots from the ground. DJ, you mentioned yeah. this while we were watching it yesterday, everything they've shot from the ground where you could see the undulation yes. and, and see the dunes in the background and, and kind of see it from, the perspective that you would see it if you were on the ground versus just those kind of big, dumb high shots that yeah. they've got from the towers. It's yeah, it just totally flattens everything. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. I like it. The I think little I slopes are what make it make exactly. links golf. I mean, well, it's, and a lot of them are not so little. Well, that's what <laughs> I mean. You don't even like, notice them from a big TV tower. It's not huge elevation changes from one yeah. to the property to the other. So the slopes that you're navigating that are direct in front of you are, are severe. Like they're huge. And like, there was one shot, I think, it was showing, uh, I forget who was chipping on the third green and it was like a low to the ground shot showing the slope they had to pitch over on that third green. And it's like, if you're high up, you have no appreciation for how hard that yeah. shot is. And what I love the most maybe was just seeing how challenging and uncomfortable the shots around the greens were for the pros. Like the, if you missed the green, you had decisions to make. Do you play it low? Do you play it high? And you had to, you know, do you try to use some of the slopes behind the pins and whatnot and watching Rom implode on Friday morning when he was greenside on the second hole and he made double out of it or maybe bogey, I think that was, that was perfect. You never see like week to week pros really uncomfortable around the greens because it usually stops in one of Randy's well-groomed bunkers or it stops <laughs> in like high rough that it's easy to like flop a 60 degree around. So I thought, yeah, if you miss these greens, you got punched in the face because the ball rolled away from you and it rolled into shit that you did not want to play out of. And 
that was like, that was a, an unbelievable test of golf. I thought it was great. The conditions didn't really buck their heads until Sunday. And you saw the difference in trying to come into those greens with crosswinds on Sunday because nobody could hold them in that afternoon. I know this is kind of another overarching characteristic of, of Lynx golf, but just seeing how the wind changing affects holes and seeing how moving the tees changing affects holes and stuff. I mean, that 17th hole is a perfect example. The fifth hole is a perfect example of that, where it's like, one day it is, you know, they're driving it over the green. One day they've got 160 yards in. I mean, it's just, it was so cool to see how much variance there was and and variance in like the length of par fives, the directions of the holes. I, I think, you know, we're saying no, no two holes basically like ran the same back-to-back holes, ran the same direction. That's always cool with the wind. And then the par fives all played differently. Some of them were, you know, guys were hitting eight irons into, and some of them were true three shot holes and, um, yeah, it's just a great mix. I hopefully back there sooner than later, except that it wasn't very pretty you know, is what you said. Well, to your point, <laughs> after you aired me out, after I was just viscerally of, uh, trying to confirm, I'm like, guys, are we in the nest here? I have a take that I need to ask <laughs> you guys, but you, I, I hope we're in the nest. I'm like, oh, sure. Of course. Deej, of course we're in the nest. I was like, well, I, I kind of thought it'd be a little more like dramatic than this. I thought it'd be a little, a little you like, said, I thought it would be prettier. I thought it'd be a little prettier. Cause everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're cliffs. And there's so many, the elevation change. And this is like the most dramatic golf course you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I saw it Thursday and Friday. I'm like, what were you I mean, listening okay. to? Probably you, it's no. probably you and Eamon. You're talking about all the cliffs and, and how grand the whole place is. And you only saw that when the camera was on the ground. I this thought. sounds like a coverage take. Well, I got backed into it. If you're going to stick a gun in my face, I'm going to have to defend myself. <laughs> this is Florida's a stand your ground state. You're exactly right. <laughs> Do you know my favorite part of Port Rush? What was that? And this is kind of tongue in cheek, but I hope it'll whip you guys up. Is the uh, in course out of bounds? There it is. <laughs> Controversy number two. You like in course? Well, go ahead. You can you can kick it off then. What? I think it adds an element of just chaos um <laughs> yes it's it's very harsh yes I, everybody knows where the out of bounds is so it's not like it's jumping up and surprising everybody except paul casey allegedly on the first day <laughs> yeah. didn't know it was out of bounds um, which i don't know how you could not know yeah i think it's it's just uh a bit of quirk that you you only get at the british open like you don't get that here at any um you know week to week on tour and it's like you know it's there and it completely changes the way you play the hole. And if it doesn't, then maybe that's being arrogant. I thought the the history or the backstory or the the reason for the out of bounds between one and 18 up the left side of one and up the left side of 18 uh, was pretty cool. Jeff Shackelford wrote a little piece about that, that basically at the 1951 US Open, the only other or UK Open British Championship, open. sorry, the only other Open that they've hosted there, uh, the club didn't actually own that tiny sliver of land between one and 18. So since it was not their property, like it had to be out of bounds. They've since purchased it, probably with a rocket mortgage. And uh, they uh, have free ads. <laughs> that was a joke, guys. Uh, but they've since purchased it, but thought that it would be nice, uh, be a little cheeky to keep that as out of bounds. It's an homage. To pay an homage to Max Faulkner and the boys back in 1951. I, I miss that story and I love that story. It's pretty cool. I'm, yeah, thank Now, you. why number one was OB up the right where Ricky hit it? I'm not, really, <laughs> I'm not totally sure, but... 
Uh, I guess we could discuss that as well. I mean, my point on being kind of against it is that you already are punished really severely on this golf course for being offline. And like, especially down that left side, like it, <laughs> yeah. you do not want to be down there. The rough right? was not like thinned out anywhere. No. And the, the, you, there's a terrible angle down the left. This course was really, really, really well protected against like bombing and gouging. There was no one that just cranked driver everywhere and thought, even if it runs into the heavy shit, I'll wedge it on because that just is not the way you play that golf course. So I think it's good when OB kind of helps prevent that. Like if OB is there and makes guys think like, I can't pound driver here because I can't go left because it's OB. That's great. But already guys wouldn't have been hitting driver there because you don't want to be left and down in that shit. So it's kind of just double punishment and kind of, I don't know. I've always thought the OB penalty is just too severe. I think it should be like, if you retee it, it's your second shot. Like I think, Oh no, I disagree completely. I I think that's the harshest. It's the only harsh penalty for pros. Yeah, I think so. Maybe they should start putting in just willy nilly OB uh, week to week around some of these PGA courses. I was going to say, I I would ride for a. This is where maybe I'd get down with the bifurcation of the rules here because OB for the average player sucks. Yes. And I think everybody would say that's probably their least favorite rule. If you hit it into this grandstand, OB. Yeah. You don't even get a. You don't even get the option. You're kicked out of the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) I I think what this boils down to is, you know, Solly, DJ, have you staked a claim here, but. It's always more uh, in favor of uh, concurrent sentencing for uh, for penalties, whereas <laughs> Tron and I are more consecutive sentencing. You got to you got to serve it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to serve all your penalties. I mean, I, I think you should have to play a golf tournament with one ball, and once you lose that ball, <laughs> you're done. You're done. This is going to turn into a commissioner. I was going to say <laughs> this is a great plug for if you haven't listened to the trap draw all about uh, what we would do if we were commissioner for a day. I would. Urge you to look that up. Seek, at, seek that. That out. might have to be just a part one. I've, I've thought of many more. Oh, yeah, yeah Solly sure. wants to get involved as well. It sounds like he's got okay. some. Well, ideas to we'll share. have to run that back sometime. We're but, also submitting. That uh, might just be with the trap draw is now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we've got a request out uh, this week. We're hoping to get some proposals. We've got an RFP out yeah. right now for some earthworks down at TPC Sawgrass. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, a lot of a lot of ecological issues that have sprung up with with rerouting the intercoastal to into the TBC sawgrass, but we'll, we'll deal with those as they come. Well, my idea, um, I should save it for the next, uh, next, next pod, but is to prevent bomb and gouging. There should be a little zone in the middle of the fairway at 270 yards. And if you hit it in the zone, you get to throw your ball 30 yards further. That's, that is a, uh, like a, a treat for the guys that don't hit it. We're kind of talking a little bit about gamifying, uh, you know, the gamifying the, uh, the driving experience out there. <laughs> if you hit it a certain length, you get, you know, some, some bonus points. If you hit a certain straightness, you get some bonus points. But well, again, I, I thought one of the things we discussed is you're not allowed to hit straight balls. Yeah. You have to, well, that was one. I don't know that I necessarily put that legislation on the table quite yet, but I was talking about outlawing. <laughs> first I was talking about outlawing draws cause I think a proper shot should be left to right. But then the more we thought about it, we're maybe outlawing straight balls but again we i feel like we're getting off topic yeah Yeah. well uh take us to uh your next favorite uh controversy randy well uh, the next uh faux controversy that popped up was um i mean it was truly disgusting i think so i think you tried to banish it from your mind (laughs) that's right yeah i uh was the incident between kyle stanley technically multiple incidents i don't want to make your point for you but it happened twice so kyle stanley hit a couple errant shots did not yell four uh, his playing partner, Robert McIntyre, Bobby Maxelrod, <laughs> confronted <laughs> him Bob. after the round. Uh, during the round, I think. Was it during the during round? During the round, as they were walking up the 18th. Yeah, yeah had some choice words. Like, hey, dude, you got to Well, the ball hit, hit his caddy's mum. 
Yeah. That's, that's why. Was, on the bounce. Now it's personal. So, so the controversy is, should Kyle Stanley have yelled for? Yes. And should he have yelled it, even though some other people happened to yell it for his golf ball? And Tron and I are firmly in the stance that I think KFS is in the wrong. He he should have yelled for it's it's your personal responsibility to alert people of your errant shot. A lot of these guys on the PGA Tour all about personal responsibility till that first tee shot goes off. <laughs> yeah, and until the rubber meets the road, yeah, we see we see how guys actually uh, behave. If you guys are going to uh, be on the side of needing to hold KFS accountable for this incident that none of us here witnessed, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hold myself accountable to hold you guys accountable for every incident on television that happens when the a guy hits a wayward drive. I had to point out four of them for you, exactly. I think, this week before uh, you guys bothered to you know note that Rory, with his very first shot of this golf tournament, hit someone and broke their phone. Did not yell for. No, he didn't hit nobody. Someone, he hit their phone. Nobody else yelled. <laughs> that's besides the point. If he's, it's going in the direction of people, somebody should yell. That's your point. He's tired of these millennials with their phones out of the golf tournaments. <laughs> and no one on that tee box yelled for, which is very different than Kyle Stanley's situation. So you guys are just piling on with with McIntyre because he this got was, involved. Oh, got it was it. personal for him. Yeah, he went to one like Euro journalist who yeah. even was really chatty. There was Kyle wasn't even quoted in the original story about what happened and they're just like oh my god what an absolute degenerate well maybe that there's was, some things are bigger than the game maybe that this was a, is one of those maybe things. that was a good thing that kyle wasn't quoted because he seemed to he seemed to make his case see this is worse. where you guys self-incriminate yourself yeah yes. you, you essentially doubled down and this, just was like why should i yell for this is how i know you guys didn't read the stories this like, is the tone that you give it no he's why should i yell for <laughs> when what he said was yeah a bunch of people had already yelled so i think like we were probably good it's like i didn't feel the need to because it, five it wasn't, seven people yeah, yelled. it wasn't you know i've been thinking about this for eight years and i'm going to take a stance yeah. against yelling <laughs> no, and for. then he and then he called mcintyre out for for being a rookie out there and all that when all he had to say was Yo, my bad. I'll yell for next time. So you guys are much more about the optics of the situation than the actual principle. That seems oh, well, very. Hey, I was both. I, I was pleased both. that somebody called him out. I think because I, I think this does happen a lot. I, I want to be clear. I do like people calling each other out for things. You got a first. <laughs> I don't agree with <laughs> what he called him out for, but I do like that he the did TC it. That's the TC way. Uh, and B, you know, we've got some we've got some heavyweights in our. I was going to say, corner. can we introduce into the into the record? Sure. Ernie Els, <laughs> ever heard Hall of, of Fame <laughs> golfer, uh, two time. Champion golfer of the year uh, sided with McIntyre. He said, "I'm I'm glad somebody finally took a stance." He he even said his words. He said the B word. He proposed <laughs> banning people who don't <laughs> yell for. He said, "If if you if there's video so of banned. somebody hitting Rory, a shot, yeah, so Rory's banned. Be banned. Is that what you're saying? Rory's banned." According this, this, to Mr. L, yes. No, Rory didn't hit somebody. He did hit somebody. No, he hit their phone. <laughs> and if you're yelling for it, it shouldn't matter whether you hit somebody. If it's going in the direction of people, it, you know what? If Rory had yelled for it, it might not have hit her phone. Listen, she, might have, she might have protected I also don't herself. want to sound like a bad guy, but I think it's okay to hit people on the bounce. That's not that big a deal. It's <laughs> not at all a big deal. <laughs> You ever see that with that clip at Kapalua? Uh, I think it was last year where some like Kepka hit a wayward shot on 18 and it bounced and a guy jumped in front of it so it would hit him. And he was like, <laughs> Yes, I got hit by a ball. Next season's hockey starts 364 days. No, you guys got all whipped up by the headlines and you got swept wanna, up in the moment. Before even reading it, you had you had already made up your mind on it. I'd it's, love to ask Tron, you know, I remember a certain incident in Greenville when I was taking a photo of you laying down on the ground behind you and you violently let your club go and it hit me right in the, oh, the, yeah. right in the face. You didn't yell Did for you yell for there? There was a club, not a ball. 
That's exactly There's right. Nowhere in the PGA Tour policy explicitly states the player must play a shot in 45 seconds. So, that, the so player, what I'm saying is all the rules are out the window. The player must yell four. So where where you at? Where were you on JB Holmes today or Ricky today? Both like, of them piped it up being hippie. Like, yeah. We're talking bands oh, on those yeah. guys. Let me read in my ca- my fellow counselor. My, here. You, you have my attention. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly an issue. The incident that ha- this happened is clearly not. I think DJ. I think to your point, Greenville, you were you were. I was in the field across the uh, where where the media. You were encroaching my threshold. He had a credential. I had a credential A, and I just I just think the optics. I just think Tron should have reacted. He just should have handled it differently. <laughs> he should have apologized. Tron was so apologetic. It would have it would have gone away. <laughs> so, I wish I had, I still have the video somewhere. I signed the glove. Oh my god! You. I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, what would you have said? Is like, yeah, I didn't ask DJ if he was okay because <laughs> other people had already asked him if he was okay. Oh. Hey, nobody else did ask me. And you know what okay. else happened in Greenville that week? Tron hit somebody's house went over and signed a glove for them, but did not yell for. I did yell for. Are you sure? I, I do not I re- you recall I that. For. I do not recall All that. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to need to hear you guys getting oh, way overly aggressive on yelling for. If you're going to dig your heels in this much, no, people yeah. are going to hold you to account. Every time. You guys literally. have a lot of videotaped golf shots yes. out there, and if, if the people want to go back through, it's a good commercial for the YouTube channel. If you want to go through and look at you know these guys hitting wayward shots, when they're yelling for, when they're not, I would encourage you to do so. You're talking to the guy that... that cheekily calls out every time somebody even remotely attempts to backstop. Well, that's what I'm saying. Now your responsibility, now the stance you guys have taken here is that every time we bear, every time somebody does this, you need to be all over and roasting their ass. That's the cross you bear. And I would, I would really like to see you guys riding for some more specific bands as well. Okay. (laughs) Players who should be banned. We talked a lot about bands on the, absolutely on the commissioner for a day. John's got a whole list. He's ready to implement. Speaking of bands there, so unfortunately, <laughs> tough transition. Uh, Rory, um, he's dead. <laughs> he has died. He has not won a major now in, in five years. Um, he he came home to live out his last days. He spent them peacefully among friends. There will be a celebration of life. Uh, Is there yes. a visitation? No. Well, it's family only. Uh, in lieu of flowers, <laughs> we ask that you. Uh, you all subscribe to Golf Pass. <laughs> um, but he is dead. I'm sorry to say he has died. There, there is no coming back. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Will you please explain he, the, the beginning of this say, bit? Yeah. Well, I just said at the beginning of the year... I, I kind of gave Rory an ultimatum where I, I was just getting tired of, you know, this is Rory's week. Will he win it? And I was like, listen, if you don't want a major this year, he's he's dead to me. He's he's gone. And here we are. He's oh he's dead. God. So who's next up? Well, doctors have just informed me. Um, <laughs> Dustin. Dustin Johnson has 12 months to live. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Eight months. Or, yeah, 12, 12 months. months. If, if, if he does not win a major... Uh, by the end of 2020, it will in fact be fatal. <laughs> Gosh, is there any transplant? Care? He needs a major transplant. There's only one cure: winning a major, <laughs> and that gets you on the transplant list. I was gonna say, does does Rory dying? Does that does he? Are there any organs he can harvest from Rory? Oh no! Well, 
Maybe his 61 degree wedge. I was going to say, Harry yeah. hits his wedges so good. He drives it so good. I don't, I don't know that he want anything from Rory. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you guys' wow. thoughts, prayers, concerns. Thank you for uh, This is a tough time. Thank you for getting us tough through. Tough time that. for you. Yeah. yeah. We were you. saying in the kill house, we might start a little shrine photograph like putting up some just look like when you go and walk into a church yeah you can like light a candle for certain people i think we're gonna get someone going like that here at the kill house the dearly departed randy remembers rory mcelroy exactly next up i think to discuss there was uh, (laughs) what the transition is there (laughs) yeah i don't know Uh, so let's get this might not be the best xander shoffley um we you know we of course do do a live show after every round during major championships we did discuss this at length on Saturday's live show. This broke Friday afternoon. I think after the live show had already been completed that and then really started bucking its head Saturday. Yes. People were really, really fired up about uh, Xander Shoffley's driver being non-conforming, which is of course a Callaway driver. Uh, we will of course comment on it. I think our disclaimer on this was like before we even had a chance to say anything about it, like, Oh, you guys are, you're, you guys are on the take from big equipment. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I mean, that's, yeah, for, I that's think we're pretty open about that. Kind of the point here, but we, we will of course comment on it, but I think uh, it's like, we are clearly have a conflict of interest in this regard. We want to address that up front. However, I will say, so when I read the headline, I don't know what your guys' reaction was, but I thought like, oh shit, he just got DQ'd for a non-conforming driver. Yeah, I didn't really know how the process works. Which it should be like, you know, this is this could be a commissioner for a day thing, but <laughs> they should do a NASCAR style. What's after, just has, what's after the style? final round of play. After the test final them. round. No, no, even if you test him on Thursday, let him play. Oh. <laughs> do it after the final round and say, this guy's been DQ'd. <laughs> <laughs> do it publicly. And then and then Ricky might win a major. Martin, Martin, <laughs> Martin slumbers. For, I'm just picturing him up in front of all the people out on the 18th grade. Um, we would which, like to welcome Shade Lowry, however. <laughs> well, I think quickly, saw to your point, I think, of course, Callaway supports and are instrumental in a lot of projects and things we're able to do. But I, I do think, like, we, we've been very candid about, like, they're not telling us, like, we can have our own opinions on of stuff. Course. Like, we've been very open to the technology debate in, in general, so... Uh, you know, we're also not gearheads. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's more of the issue. Yeah. I don't think we weigh in on equipment stuff that much because we don't really know we're just not our about. block. Except yeah. we make a lot of PXG troops trips. <laughs> exactly. Which was like also to my point was like, I, I'm of the opinion that if this happened to another equipment company, we wouldn't be sitting here roasting the equipment company on it because I think it's one, I didn't know a lot of anything really about this testing process. So part of the deal with what happened with Xander was that out of the 156 players in the field, only 30 are tested. Now, when they test somebody, the results are supposed to be private. Now, I don't know how it got leaked out there. I guess when Xander was walking around the range, somebody had made a joke to him about his clubs being illegal. And the guy, I want to know who, who did that. Yeah, I got to <laughs> do. Uh, which so like the RNA had clearly not protected the confidentiality of this test. So he got he gets tested Tuesday night and it finds out his his limit is one point over it. Characteristic time. Characteristic time. Measurement. Uh, yeah. Right? Which so is, basically it's like they do a measurement of how they'll swing something onto the face of a driver, right? And and basically see like how long that sticks to the driver. So like what the trampoline effect of the driver is. And so it's got a it, the characteristic time has to be below a certain level, meaning it can't just like suck into the face and then trampoline back out. Gotcha. 
So I'm getting this from uh, the golf.com, uh, Jonathan Wall's golf.com article. So the characteristic time that you're speaking on, the rule states that a measure of the club face's spring-like effect must be no higher than 239 microseconds, but a number can go as high as 257 due to manufacturing tolerances. So it's common for drivers to have a CT in the high 250s during testing. So from what we've heard, all the guys, like basically anybody on tour, is trying to push that characteristic time up to the to the absolute limit. And this is something they test for. And then when this test was performed, the characteristic time that like the Callaway was measuring on the range was different than the, the characteristic time that the um, that the RNA was using. And the, the one the RNA got was 258, which is one point over the 257. Now, Xander claims that over there was, the limit under arrest. Correct. He <laughs> well was said. making Xander was throwing out some actual specific equipment company names that which I think has been kind of subject of debate. He threw out the PXG. A PXG driver had failed. Bob Parsons stated that that was not the case. But that can't be adjudicated in civilian court. <laughs> <laughs> he You're also, goddamn right. I ordered the characteristic time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He also said that a TaylorMade driver failed and golf.com reached out to TaylorMade for comment and they did not comment. Um, so basically what had came out of this was that that people thought Xander was cheating and people think Callaway is making super hot drivers, which might explain why Big Randy's been driving the ball so well this year. We don't know. We for don't sure. know the answer to that. In addition to all this, the uh, the characteristic time of a driver can change with as few as 100 center hits in the middle of it. So if you've used a driver for a while, your driver might be getting hotter and hotter and hotter because I, I don't even want to pretend to know the science behind that, but that is apparently the case. Like if the longer you use a driver, the hotter it could be, which is why you need to test it. But again, guys are kind of living so close to that limit as it already was. And if like that driver was tested by Callaway, it was still showing it as being under, which is what was confirmed with the RNA, I believe. Um, again, this may sound just like us explaining it away. This is explaining the facts that we know about the scenario. I think it was painted very quickly as like Callaway is like juicing hot ass drivers, which I don't cannot confirm or deny that. But I don't think that is the complete representation of the story. The issue Xander had was like, dude, test everyone here. Like if so between two to four people failed in this and his was the only one that got publicized. Like, why am I made out to be the, the, the pariah here? Well, and I, yeah, I don't know how specific you got into this, but yeah, they only tested 30 guys in the field, right? Yes. And there's 156 players in the field. And so Xander's point was like, man, if we've had up to four fail out of 30, and then, you know, there's a lot of other guys that are maybe more than 10% of the field. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it, it seems like kind of a no brainer that that should be the next step to, to test that. But again, like I'm not, I'm not a statistician or a, uh, a testing specialist. I, I thought it was interesting, and I will try to get to a question here throughout to the group. Xander mentioned like, hey, you know, I get the clubs, I show up, I use the clubs, you know, I put on a show, I play the golf. I, I saw he was getting some flack in the Twitter world that like, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta know your, your, your test scores and you gotta, you have to be responsible for that. And it's like in the very like most basic definition, like, yeah, he probably has to be responsible for that. But what we learned in the, in the cowboy truck with the ride along was like, some guys literally there's like, yeah, man, just hand me the clubs and I'm going to go play. Uh, some guys are very involved in the club making process and like know all their specs and, and everything about them. So I guess my question is, you know, is that do you think Xander is in the wrong for not, you know, knowing that his driver's hot? Because because I, I don't really put a lot of blame on on him, I guess. 
I, I'm with, I think it is ultimately the player's responsibility. I think the Bucks got to stop with them. Now, this being, that being said, I, th- I saw a couple of analogies floating around of like the, comparing this to a corked bat situation, like a bat exploding and cork flying out. I don't think that could be any further off, to be honest. Like, this is not like a clear, like, not, this is not a clear, like, blatant cheating of like, well, let's just wait until I get caught, which cork bat was sick because <laughs> everybody's bats eventually yeah, break. Any, You're right. going to get caught doing it. And that, that I don't think is the comparison here. I think it's like, trying to you know live as close to that line as possible at least again that's my limited gearhead knowledge and how the tour truck operates that's my understanding and this is not the first time that this has happened this happened at an rna like the rna did this test in an open qualifying series event of some kind in japan i think was yeah. the, the word that and we there had failures and there was yeah. like six failures there and that wasn't publicized because again and this is all supposed to not be publicized so that's how it all kind of came out with xander was like mouthed off at the rna and was really pissed and called them out at them not protecting the you know whatever the sanctity of the driver test i think the two things for me that i'll be most curious to see is a you know our guys gonna take their drivers in this week in memphis and reno and say hey you know like tour trucks here. Let's, let's, let's test this. Let's get it be, you know, I think we're all for like the, the governing bodies should govern like, and, yeah. and I think that's part of the deal here is like the fact that, you know, this is a once a year type thing that it seems like we're all right, cool. Like if this is, if this is a big issue and, and, and the governing bodies think it is, then do it more than once a year and do it right and do it to the whole field. You know, don't just have, all right, cool. We're going to, we're going to, cherry pick a small sample size over here, foist it upon these guys when, when, you know, especially if these things change over week, time, yeah. you know, week to week, month to month. Yeah. I, I, the way I kind of net out is, is kind of somewhat similar to the, uh, to the Stanley thing was like, I think people read a bunch of headlines and formed their opinion off that. And like people calling him a cheater and stuff like that. It's like, dude, you gotta be, I've learned my lesson on this one too. Like you got to be damn sure if you're going to use that word. And I know kind of some of the other players were joking with him about it, but man, it's not fun to even have the rumors around you, like floating around like that. When I don't, like I truly in my heart of hearts don't think that is the case. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, that's what you don't see Xander get fired up about very much stuff. And, you know, I, I think that, to his point, like nobody's going to take the, like it's a, it's an effort to read about this stuff and an effort to learn about how the test works and all that stuff, which is an effort that I don't blame any of these people, but most casual golf fans are just not going to, not going to go through, you know, and I'm raising my hand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of people around metaphorical water coolers tomorrow. Just be like, Oh yeah. Did you hear Xander was cheating. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what sucks for him is I think the deeper you dig into this and you can, you know, you can say that we're, we're biased or explaining it away again, like you said, but the, the deeper you dig into this, the less it seems like an issue. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it, it's a, a shitty kind of PR thing for, Xander and Callaway and even, I mean, you know, PXG and TaylorMade and the, the companies that got thrown out as, you know, speculating for failing the same thing. It's like, if you don't have transparency on this stuff, then like it's, it's going to be unfair to a lot of people. It seems like. Which credit to golf.com for their article. I thought the golf channel original article was, was pretty much bullshit. I mean, it's just like sensationalized. Like it, there was no telling of the story there. You can walk, you can read that whole article and walk away thinking kind of similar to how people are feeling, I think, which is yeah. like if the golf.com article tells a lot more complete story, I think I of the entire the situation too, that there's more to it, even, you know, like, like this will continue to develop as we go along over the, 
the rest of the season. And well, I wonder if it will, cause this was clarity. Right? It was an RNA test, right? So like oh. if that's what, to your point about like what's going to happen when they go to Memphis this week, like probably nothing unless yeah. I, I don't know. Does the tour do this stuff every week? Like, I don't think so. I think that was Andrew's point was they kind of test the driver models with the manufacturer and the USGA and all that stuff. But like, I don't think there's somebody on the range at Memphis testing to see if drivers are conforming or not. So people like it probably won't be an issue until we get back to the open championship next year. Or if the USGA wants to, which do something is telling different. too, that, that, that the USGA is never like, this is, this has never really popped up at a US open. Yeah. Well, I think we're ready to move on from that and mention the Callaway Epic flash driver is <laughs> hotter than ever. Um, no, what do you guys think of the, the schedule the way the major championships came played out this year? I know there were some comments leading up to it. I know Justin Rose was kind of saying he didn't like the new schedule and kind of, the, it was hard to find for him to peak his game at, at particular times in that tight time frame. Molinari had some things to say about it. I think afterward and whatnot, what do you guys think of how, as a golf fan, what did you think of the major schedule? I think the, the PGA kind of how early it's 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 really ending up it's only three or four weeks earlier I know. than before right I, I think that's part of it and then now it's like the golf season really gets started as far as watching golf january february march west coast swing you know players in march now like we, i know we joke a lot about the players but it, it's a legitimately big event and it's these guys tournament like they all take it seriously so i think it's you know now it, it feels like it's actually less time between the last big event of the year as far as the major season and the first big one next year. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's an important overblown distinction. I mean, it's hard, obviously you can't speak for the players, you know, if they feel like they don't have time to peak and I wouldn't begin to understand what the hell that sentence like even means. But as a golf fan, like you said, I think it's, I think it's actually really good. Like it's good and it's bad and it's good from the sense that I've loved having one a big one big event a month and it's been really cool like it, it feels like we've ha- kind of had a lot of critical mass or whatever momentum since March since the players like I, it, it's been really fun to kind of go all in for a week and then kind of recede back with the tide a little bit and that's that's the flip side of this is I don't know that it's good for everybody necessarily like I don't know that it's great for you know a lot of these PJ tour events that like I, I've never been I've said this a bunch on the pod but I've never been more checked out of the the non-major events from March to August than I, I have been this year. And maybe that's hyper personal. And I know you guys, you know, have kind of said, like, maybe that's maybe that's what it's always like. But I'll be very interested. Like, uh, it'd be great if someone could do kind of a deep dive on ratings and stuff this year and how these events were affected. Because, like, if you guys want to sit here and, like, I'll, I'll throw out a tournament and you guys tell me literally even who won. <laughs> we saved that for Kapalua week. Four weeks year. ago, five <laughs> weeks ago. Like, I, I would do worse at that game now than I ever have. On the, the flip past. side, I do feel like the, the maybe the, like, the Masters PGA US Open stretch was jam-packed. And I do, and, 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 and to your point, it felt like that was extremely, like, it just degraded the, run-of-the-mill regular tour events that much more to where i mean shit look at the cat <laughs> well that's the most or like Brooks, yeah. literally among the most jarring stats of the year is that from the masters to the playoffs right tiger's gonna play one non-major what what he what would he have <laughs> normally played though is my question though i think i mean he would usually plays wells fargo like when he's well, usually the players is there yeah so then usually he would he'd play wells fargo he'd play he had his tournament in dc yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the new schedule he's played Wyndham or, or uh, Akron used to be Akron. Yeah. That's usually, yeah. Right after. Yeah. That's a good point. 
Now he's skipping Memphis this year. I mean, it's, it is kind of, well, I don't want to get in Kyle Porter, Memphis, Twitter, a battle here, oh, but tough scene. Oh man. He, Kyle, Kyle had a simple picture of uh, like an aerial of port rush and saying, now imagine playing a golf tournament in Memphis next week. It must've, you don't want to mess with the three, six mafia. <laughs> Might've been the three, six mafia that sicked the Memphis Twitter all over a man. It was a tough scene in his mentions. Minds. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he, like, Phil may be skipping, I think he said this week. Tiger skipping. Russell Knox is doing laundry. <laughs> Which we're not even sure if he's qualified. I don't think For, he's there was the a field. tweet about like like a big brouhaha that Russell Knox is skipping Memphis. I'm, we're like, I don't even know if he's qualified for Memphis. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a tough transition. I mean, for I don't know. For us, it's kind of it uh it's I don't know, hashtag good for business when the majors are going on. Like people are just more interested in pro golf in general. And that being over is kind of like look back half the year is not a ton for us to really get excited about, but it also means we can go do other things. And yeah, I mean that's it's kind of a wild uh it's a wild feeling. Like it's it's weird to think about literally eight months are gonna go by with you know, between majors. That's I know there it, should be I know it's season. only a month a yeah. month difference, but I, I don't know, it just feels like feels like agree like it should feel like an off season there really isn't still you know like the schedule is still going to keep going along and that's kind of what i'm saying is it, it just feels like you know you've it just feels like more of an off season i like, think that's it's like yeah. you can treat it like an actual off season yeah. and also i feel like the the first major of the year seems like kind of a misnomer because whether it's in april or march like guys get guys start getting tuned up in in january yeah. and really get going with their games so i feel like that's that's kind of irrelevant. I'm going to watch golf in January, regardless of yeah. if there's a major or not. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that, you know, is just a little bit jarring is like, <laughs> we haven't mentioned the playoffs. one <laughs> Like it's like the playoffs aren't even, you know, like for me personally, this is one of my favorite times of the year for watching, watching the guys in the fringes. Like it's like Sally and I are going to Reno this week. Like I'm, I've been, Barracuda. I've been dying to go to that event just cause it's like the one last gasp before the Wyndham for guys to get into, you know, kind of jockey for position, uh, into that 125. This and is when like actually watching the, the FedEx cup standings is fun. And like, it's awesome. the most relevant time of the year. And guys are playing for their livelihoods. Yeah. Guys on the web tour, the yeah, corn ferry tour. Uh, I'm going out to Portland in a few weeks too. Like I'm, I'm fascinated with like, that's golf that actually matters. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's going to sound very quite hipstery, but whatnot, but it's like watching the top 70 or whatever players in the week next week in Memphis get, you know, world golf ranking points and fat checks. Isn't that intriguing to me right now? But then on the flip side of, all right, who gets into that 125? Once you're into the 125, like I kind of check out because you've already, you've already Maybe, accomplished yeah. the goal. If you right. get a big ass check or not, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing John Merrick had 9.5 million in career earnings yesterday was that was jarring. That was John Merrick Twitter came after. Yeah, they were really, really. Yeah. Fired people, up. people ride for the elephant man. John, <laughs> he Merrick. was uh, he had made a hole in one at Barbasol, and they had listed him as the no, as notable being in 27th place. And I was like, dude, I don't, I had a lost track of what the word notable means, and people were not happy with that. He then shot, I think, 76. <laughs> was that notable? <laughs> um, Which at the Barbasol is like shooting 150. I want to give a shout out to uh, Lee Westwood. T four is going back to the Masters yeah, next year. Great record at the Masters. That Who knows? Was, uh, is he the is he the new favorite for Augusta next year? Could be. I love watching Westwood play golf because <laughs> it's because he can't chip. Except, like you. No, <laughs> he chipped great this week. No, that putt was tough. Like that was tough. The putt today was yeah. legitimately like that was P 
PTSD for there, me. But I was going to say, there are a lot of feelings that came rushing back. What's, <laughs> what's he with that putt? But no, it's just, he's just such a, he's like a Monty level ball striker. Oh yeah. What, uh, what do you guys think? We, we touched, we talked some port rush, but where does port rush sit in the Rota now? Do you want to see an open go back there? Are you taking something oh, out of sure. the Rota? What happens here with the Rota? I don't know how the, like, I don't know how the Rota actually works. Like, is it, is let's, there any, let's just pretend we do. I was going to say, is there any, uh, you know, any reason that there has to be a fixed number of courses? Can't you just it add seems, it in? It seems somewhat subjective. I think I mean, so, it's, right? It's a lot more distinct than the USGA, but I don't think there's a set other than the old course, which Randy hates. Well, I think, <laughs> I think Martin Slumbers said this year, this week, uh, like the question was like, can you see this event going outside of into other countries and into continental Europe? He said, no, we have like, we keep like a Rota. So it sounds like to me, Port Rush is now in the Rota. And I think, I think officially Turnberry's out basically for the moment. That's what it seems like. So uh, I don't know. I think, you know, we talked about this some on the live show, but basically that's where Randy had said that he wants the old course to, you want the old course. You want, you want to put houses up there, right? <laughs> you guys are, you guys are disgusting. The question was, if you had to chop a course from the current road, it would make room for Port Rush. What would it be? And you're, you're and I threw out the old course out of, love and respect and admiration Classless. for it I'm because i'm tired of seeing it desecrated defiled Ooh. exactly you don't like them putting uh putting tea boxes out of bounds and putting them over on exactly. the himalayas exactly yeah. they got to put the tea boxes on a whole different course amalia's yeah my bad That's so as as you know some people who have my back on twitter said like hey there's a reason why presswick doesn't host the open anymore from Musselboro. Whoa. Musselboro, right? <laughs> Whoa. That's kind of, my brain is enlarging right now, I think. So I don't, it's, it's out of, it's out of love for the old course that I'm, they should, if they, for your if they go Thank to the old you. course, it's gotta be a fixed ball. Like it, everyone plays the same ball that week. 2021 is going to be very interesting. Going back for the, the 150th. I mean, it's the only place where they had to delay play because of the wind. Like it's ridiculous. It's cause they had to dial the greens up and put the pins. Exactly. In the like if that's so not easy. evidence of enough of, Hey, something's wrong here, then you will address me as a sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck who. Who you are? I'm gonna hit my ball till it stops like, oscillating. Kepka needs to act like that. If Kepka that's acts what I'm like saying. That, People are coming around on Kepka. Yeah, I think I'm a coming bit. around on Kepka. Yeah, that's Nike man. Winning well, takes care of everything. Well, what was nice? I mean, he he didn't really roast Holmes quite as bit as I think we were hoping, but he did roast him pretty good afterwards. But like we were counting on him. Like we he, we he now has our trust, and that well, as he's finishing that back nine, we're like, dude, his post round interview is going to be the best thing. He's that the torchbearer. Yes, for- he's going to do this. He's our only hope. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't stuff JB Holmes in a locker on the way out too, but <laughs> going back to the road of thing, DJ, which, which course are you chopping? I don't, uh, I don't know. It's a hard question. I haven't dove into some of the past ones as closely as I would have liked. I mean, Royal St. George's, I couldn't tell you a ton about that golf course. I, I don't remember it much. I remember, I remember of course, Ricky playing well. I think everybody remembers that. Um, but I, I don't remember much about the course. So I guess I'd say that one. It's an easy answer, but I think my, my take would be, I can close my eyes. Um, so picture this as, I don't know, kind of like a Goldilocks situation. There's three, like three of my children are Litham and uh, Burkdale and Liverpool. And I got to poison one of them and like, just pick one. That's fine. But they, they probably shouldn't be three in that area. I think yeah. I love all three of those courses. I love all my children equally, but you can probably take one away from that area. If you had to take one out, I think, I think for Which me, I don't know I think for me that's Liverpool. Yeah. I, I, and I love Hoylake. I think it's a great, great course. I just don't, you know, it's flat and it, it's just like, we're talking about some of the coolest golf courses in the world. And I feel like 
it's a better club than course. That I could sense. see Troon. I could, you, I could that, argue that, Troon. That's too. my number two. Yeah. I think Troon could come out. Um, I think, you know, it's hard to take St. George's away just because the only that's it's those three in England and then St. George's are the only ones. And it's on the far other side. Yeah. It's a completely different side of that whole Island. Um, Scotland, you know, they're pretty decently well spread out. I mean, I know St. Andrews and Carnoustie are close, but I wouldn't cut either one of those. Sorry, big Randy, but um, you guys just don't have the guts. <laughs> it's also some, truth. I'm, I'm over, <laughs> there might be some truth to that. I'm, that I'm over here making the tough choice. Randy wants to have a, a freaking open at Cullen. I was listen. I would, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's open eligible. Yeah, <laughs> there's a groundswell of support for that idea. <laughs> I think. All right, let's close it out. Um, and you can kind of you can do any of these. You can do all of these. We're gonna recap our uh, major season. Your favorite moment that happened in a major. Your funniest moment or your biggest disappointment. You can do all three. You can do one. You can do two. What, what's sticking out to you guys? Is this the major season or the season of championships? Uh, let, we'll stick it to major season. Okay. We'll do a separate podcast it's for the philosophical season. philosophical question. Yeah. Well, only one of those springs to mind immediately, and, and I'll be happy, happy to answer all three, but I want to get on with the funniest moment of major season. You're going to steal mine. I think it's everybody's with Zach Johnson. <laughs> Damn it. <that> <laughs> I think that's everybody's, right? Zach Johnson yeah. whiffing on a practice swig, yelling, oh, shit. <laughs> now what? Now what? Uh, like that's He didn't whiff on a practice swig. He hit the ball on a practice swig. Yeah, week. you know what I'm saying. And uh, I mean, that's just... that. Literally, I think that's as good as... Yeah, I'd put Tiger is probably my number one memory. Tiger winning the Masters is probably num- my number one memory of, of this season, and I'd put that as number two. How long ago does that feel? Oh, it was like six years ago. TC? Go to Randy first. Randy? So you kind of stole mine there. It was was ZJ. That was uh, the funniest moment. <laughs> I think um, Tiger, for sure. Huge. It should be a non-Tiger category. Huge moment. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think... <laughs> I, I still will probably remember most enduring uh, Kepka winning the PGA. Um, but yeah, that's this is a good question. I'm I'm low key like quietly a forgettable year. Well, I was gonna say like the, the U.S. Open. All I can remember really thinking is like I kind of disappointed. It seemed to be playing a little benign. Uh, Woodland obviously played exceptionally. Yeah, kind of disappointed. You hashtag not my U.S. Open. Well, you slept exactly. through it intentionally. To I, I think that's my thing. That. Is there should be like, the ball doesn't spin anymore, so crazy shit doesn't happen as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially sometimes it, crazy shit happens, but especially in the wind. Like, yeah. the, like it, these guys can just pierce it through with these kind of knuckle balls, and it doesn't. Like it doesn't get beat up or it doesn't. Again, the topic is your much. favorite and funniest moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, well, I think that's why I'm struggling. To There's an absence of funny moments. <laughs> yeah. um, God, the Zach Johnson one's tough to do. Uh, that is, uh, if, if I, I think, can give you another second. Yeah, uh, yeah, today, maybe it's his recency bias, but Henrik Stenson hitting a cold, clean oh. shank today and us screaming, going to like the other side of a gate and it cutting to him and him just so predictably snapping the club over his knee. I thought he was going to re-snap it into four pieces. It looked like it, the whole sequence was just art and it's probably definitely recency bias, but that needed a mention. I agree. I mean, in, in the tiger moment uh, specifically for me, when he walked off the green and he screamed as his son ran towards him and he hugged him, that was like the first time that I'd ever felt like I was rooting for tiger instead of like, I was selfishly wanted to see him win. That was, that was a moment I thought. I'm going back to that same day. Um, that was a great moment. <laughs> um, I, I love, love the fact that they moved the tee times up. I thought that was 
That was fun. That yeah. was one of the few times I've ever actually that. liked yeah. them moving tee times up. When Molinari hit it in the water. That was sick. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that was wild. This and, might, they, yeah. and, and CBS, like, neglected to show the shot that led to... Oh, you mean on 15? Yeah, on 15. Yeah, okay, when he hit the water. Yeah. Second oh, time. I mean, yeah. the water on... On, on, 11, uh, on 12. On, on 12, and then the water on 15, it was like, holy shit, yeah. this is happening. Yeah, it was very real. I think we should, a category should have been the, the time that we all yelled, sick! For the loudest <laughs> in the kill house. <laughs> Probably Stenson snapping the club. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I'd put uh, the Jordan and Greller uh, kind of interpersonal issues at the US Open. That was high. I don't know which category I put it in, but that was a highlight for me. Oh, that was even, most disappointing. Those didn't even hard feel to interpersonal. It was like just intrapersonal within Jordan. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> might be a better way to say it. Yeah, you know, taking it out on Mike, the alpha. Well, I think the other question is a big one that we can we can probably all answer, which is who's who's the biggest disappointant of it? Dis- think, biggest disappointment of your major season. I think what is the biggest disappointment? Oh, what is? I, think, oh, I was thinking who is, but yeah, you okay. can do, it can be either way. Uh, yeah. Besides Rory, he's now he's well, yeah. well, of course, dearly yeah, departed. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to discuss. Uh, <laughs> From beyond the grave, honestly, I don't know. The first thing I thought of was DJ, but he finished second at the Masters, didn't he? That might not be the best one, but I was thinking it's kind of a joint between. It's got to be Spieth, I guess. Like he just, you know, I know we kind of said all year that it, it just feels like he's kind of faking it, and it's kind of smoke and mirrors, and it it turned out it kind of was at all all the majors he was in contention at. You know, it just. He, he looked like he was going to be able to hold it together and, until he didn't and kind of slowly faded. It so. felt like whack-a-mole. Like, you know, he's got, he you know, gets four out of five things figured out and then driving pops, rears its ugly head and then it gets driving figured out and putting popped up. And it, it felt like he did so much in the positive direction. His birdie percentage is still ridiculous, but he just gave too many shots away. And I think he would tell, say the same thing. I think Fleetwood's high on that list for me too. I mean, he was playing so well coming into the majors that it just seemed like he was so ripe to pick, pick one of them off and then got himself in contention at a bunch of them. And it just part of it too is you want to see him win so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. So like, can we talk about JT a little bit? Of course. Like he, he finished T 17 at the 2018 Masters T25 at the US Open last year, cut at the at the Open Championship presented by whatever. Tough draw. Uh T6 at last year's PGA Championship and then T12 at the Masters this year. Missed the PGA with injury. Missed missed yeah. the tournament. Yeah. Uh cut at the US Open, T11 at the Open. Like I feel like I was expecting to see after 2017 JT I was like damn, JT's like clearly the best player in the world. Yeah. He's got this unlimited upside. I feel like since then it's kind of yeah. no top fives in majors since he, since he won it in 2017, that's eight majors. And so. he won twice this year. Um, or sorry, sorry. Last year, I was gonna say, that's in 2018, to he hasn't yeah. won this year. Like it, it just seems like, all right, man, like we're, we're waiting for it. And I'm, and I mean this in kind of a complimentary way. It's like, Hey, like you're, your, your ceiling is like higher than any. Well, I think we're not even waiting for it. Like we saw it, like he won yeah. six times in one year and was player of the year. Like that was, that was nuts. And it, it feels like a long time ago. But as far regard. as the majors go, it's like, yeah, winning six times in one year is a precursor to, all right, cool. Like you you win a major for, you know, once for the next three years, every year, or you win two in the same year. Like that's, those are things where if you can win a major in back-to-back years, that's kind of a sign of, mm-hmm. all right, that's an alpha move. I feel like he hasn't had an alpha move since he won the, since he won the PGA. No, no, I, I don't have an explanation for it. I think uh, he would probably say the same thing that he was expecting more success after that. And I don't even know what the, what the issue necessarily is. It's not, it doesn't seem to be like, Oh, putting is holding him back or driving, holding him back. It just, 
it does not sustain that kind of elite, elite level. It's that, almost like DJ, right? It's like, what's like, what's holding DJ back? Yeah, yeah. Why doesn't he win every week? Yeah. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of like day DJ and now JT have all had that 18 month run. Mm-hmm. That was just absurd. And they've come back to earth from it and they kind of don't. And Rory. And, Oh shit! <laughs> well, Rory guys, won four majors though. Like it, Day, true. JT, yeah. and and DJ yeah, yeah, all won one. Yeah, and DJ's won twenty times on tour. That's not maybe the best comparison, but that one stretch he had was absolutely nuts. I think yeah. he, he what he won like nine times in an eighteen month span or something like that. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the science is of that, but I I hope it's not like like kind of deteriorating into that J Day category of. You know, is he? Are we going to see him win another major again? Deteriorating J Day in the same sentence. I'm in for that. <laughs> You're here for that. So for next year's majors, ooh, let's are talk, we ready to do that? Let's talk early, early picks. Oh, Jesus! Oh, <laughs> Can I, quickly before we do that, my disappointment is it's looking to be like the end's nigh for Philip Alfred. Oh I, man, I just I, I I've been holding out hope in my heart that there's a U.S. Open out there for him to win, and I just don't know how it's going to Are gonna you going to euthanize him? I don't think you can really euthanize somebody who's 49 years old and <laughs> I think has won five majors, but we're... You just euthanized a 30-year-old who's won four. <laughs> well, I'm saying, yeah, like, the decline <laughs> is, is to be expected at, yeah. at, at this point. Um, but it's just disappointing. I'm, I'm kind of trying to... I'm going through the five stages of grief with he's probably not going to win a U.S. Open. At, at some point, like though, he's like, going through those stages. Some of his quotes <laughs> about how he's like post-winning and like, yeah, I'm just kind of showing up to, you know... Yeah. I'm not even worried yeah. about winning. Like Tom Watson, though. Tom Watson, you know, he almost won the Open at 62 or 61, right? 59. F- or yeah. 59, whatever. Yeah. But I... Well, if the U.S. Open is going to be a birdie fest, who knows? But and traditionally, you know, I would say the the U.S. Open, you you, you, you know, he's yeah. not going to be able to compete. And you know, there. Mickelson doesn't give a, he's not going to give a shit about playing on the senior tour. Yeah, I, I don't know where I net out with that, Randy, because it's not like it's not like he's losing distance at a certain age, or, and I don't think it's like flexibility he's losing or talent. It's just weird how that works. Like I don't think we were expecting Ernie to pick one more off when he did, and maybe. I don't know. I don't think the 2013 open was like an unexpected, like Phil's last stand or one last major. I I don't want to rule out that he could compete for another one. Cause he does, he does summon something when it's, when it's going for him, he gets momentum going. And I know he's not close now, but if I can give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel, I don't want to say it's all the way over. I think it's worth noting too, that like there's a difference between winning an, a U.S. Open and winning another major. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think he'll compete at the Masters yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Like, he'll be on the front page on a Saturday. But the U.S. Open specifically, they're oh, just yeah, he's not winning that. the sharpness. It's almost like Spieth. It's the same syndrome that Spieth's suffering right now. There, it's just something. Whether it's this one day or that the yeah. other day, it's just not all clicking. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy that that's won this year. Too. Yeah. He won at Pebble. Allegedly. Yeah. And that's why kind of this year with the U.S. Open being at Pebble, I was, you know, yeah. trying to convince myself maybe this is the year. It's going to have to be a surprise one. Right. It's like Wingfoot, there's going to be no surprise there. It's going to be so, oh, the return. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my disappointment. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's look to 2020. All right. What are we making picks right here? Uh, yeah. I mean, if we're making picks right now, I'm picking gotta, Brooks to win all four. Well, we got to talk so. about the. All right. So you got obviously Augusta. And then you've got uh, Harding Park yep. for the PGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wingfoot. Wingfoot at the US, US Open and then Royal St. George. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm going Spieth, Kepka, Kepka, Kepka. 
So can I just say Kepka's finished in the top four of ma- in seven out of the last eight majors? Seems pretty good. Or excuse me, six out of the last seven majors. <laughs> Seems pretty good. I mean, you can certainly with say three, that. With three wins. <laughs> yeah, that's factual. If you need them. Nuts. I mean, again, we, it just kind of gets brushed off. That, oh, yeah, when you finish fourth, it's kind of disappointing. But again, all the guys that you have to beat to finish fourth is significant and noteworthy. I'm going to go with Rob for the Masters. Okay. I think he's he's he's, got, he's so mature. He's, yeah, he's working he's working really hard on and really keeping his composure. Out Rombo, there. as DJ likes to call him, I think. <laughs> what a bullshit thing! No one calls him Rombo. It's like the Costanza T-Bone thing, where he's trying to start his own nickname. <laughs> I've never heard anyone outside of a Taylor Man commercial call him Rombo. I just want to get that on the record. <laughs> you know, we don't comment on other equipment companies here. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the equipment. It's just <laughs> bra- bad branding. <laughs> TC, who are your picks? Uh, I think I don't think the cat should show up at Harding Park. Well, Too okay, cold. real quickly, it's cold and damp. What is like? Who does Harding Park favor? Do we I just have don't know like how it's going to. I just it? don't know how it's going to set up. Because when, what, when we were like there feel. last year, it just felt like it was going to be Brooks. Like, yeah, it just felt like they were going to shoot. Well, I talked to a buddy, five under par. A buddy of mine, Brian Jackson, lives out in San Francisco. He he played there a couple weeks ago. Plays there a lot. He said they've basically taken the fairways in by. 50 to 60 percent versus yeah. when we were there in in february and we played white tees we were like their tee boxes are <laughs> yeah i mean it's going to be a typical like pga setup now like it's going to favor brooks it's going to be long it's going to be tight That's and yeah. it's going to be kind of like beth page i don't think the rough there is nearly as low-key thick i think it's just one c in the rough yeah uh <laughs> in the thickness of that rough but i'm picking dj okay i think it's gonna be a bomber i guess we can yeah we can probably yeah. Yeah, we'll say go. that that's the early favorite. I also think we can probably cover these in the preview podcast next year as we see who's trending. No, but it's always to, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think Shoffley has a real good chance to pick off a major. Yeah, whether that be Augusta or you know the PGA or U.S. Open, Royal St. George. The Rictator. Oh, my God. Ricky's going to win one. I think, 2020, I think 2020 is his year, man. He's sniffing around. And it's then, an Olympic year. You know he's going to be inspired by that. He's got the tattoo. What does that do to the schedule? When, is, when are the Olympics next year? They're always in August, aren't they? Well, I think it depends think on the uh, depends like on like July, the, August, the, the hemisphere you're in, I think. But I mean, we're in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Chimane Olympics, July 24th to August 9th. So I'm guessing it's going to be right after the UK British Open. So today's July 21st. And I think they yeah. played the golf the second week, if I'm remembering correctly. That makes sense. So they'll probably have the British a week off and then... God, how stoked he is for the Olympics. We talk a lot about Forgotten Man. How forgotten is Hideki right oh, now? He's gone. Can I tell you, this week was the first time he's missed a cut since the Open last year. <laughs> And yet he and feels, yet he's, like, <laughs> feels like he's playing like garbage. Yeah, he's yeah. completely irrelevant. No, I, I saw that stat like shook me in my tracks. Like, I, I yeah, no memories of him during that time. No, other than he made an appearance on the leaderboard at the PGA. Yeah, could make any pots. Are any of these kids gonna uh, sniff around? No, yeah, Matt Wolf is probably gonna it's win like the, the PGA. Fly in the ointment, right? Yeah, right. You know, Morikawa, Wolf, Young Hove Young could Hove. win at Wingfoot. <laughs> can I can I get your guys' picks? Who's gonna win the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs? Fifteen million dollars. Who can say? Fifteen million. <laughs> who could possibly? Who, well, say? first of all, who's going to win the Wyndham? I think it'll be somebody. I think it'll be somebody just so dumb and becoming of the the FedEx like Kucher. Boom! Perfect. I'm taking Bryson. Yeah, <laughs> or Bryson. Yeah. <laughs> well, DJ was all upset today that Brooks. That's what I was going to overtook uh, Kucher. Oh, oh, he man. did. In the I window? don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I'm looking it up. That is huge. <laughs> How do we not lead with that? We're scrambling to... Uh, according to my projections... The dream is dead. Well, according to my projections, it looks like Brooks was only 
you know, 85 or so points behind Kucher in the FedEx Cup. So I, I would think with what did Brooks finish fourth? Mm-hmm. I would think he's probably going to pass him. It's going to be really close, but I would think he's probably going to pass Brooks to take over the number one spot in the FedEx Cup. Uh, is Brooks playing Memphis? I assume he is, but probably, well, I mean, he'll be there, he'll he'll be there. It. but that's kind of the thing. Seconds. So like the only reason I think this is interesting <laughs> is because there's a very real possibility that like Brooks and Kucher could be neck and neck going to going into Wyndham and whoever is leading the FedEx cup list at the end of the year wins $2 million <laughs> and Brooks like literally might not show up to try to win. There's no way he plays Wyndham. If he's like 10 points behind or 10 points ahead, like Kucher, of course, will show up. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what if Brooks just is like, I'm fucking good, man. Like, I don't care. Well, on that topic, and it's... Can you imagine a more folk hero? Well, somewhat moment? related. He might be pocketing the Aeon Risk Reward Challenge. Money. Is he up on that? He's currently tied for first with DJ. Which is literally and Justin, and, uh, a three-way Jason tie? Day. Literally three-way another tie. million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So he may just say, you know what? I got the Aeon money. I'm good. I got that Aeon money. <laughs> How about the fact that... I don't need the window money, and we're all going to play for the FedEx money. The top five oh. in that are DJ, Brooks, Jason Day, Jason Kokrak, and Justin <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> it, se- it seems like, I don't know, I got to do some digging, it seems like it might favor the longer guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really great to see them get rewarded. Uh, just to, to put a bow on that, if Brooks wins all of that stuff... Anyone goes out and wins the FedEx Cup. I know it's a big if, but he's the best player in the world. It's $18 million of just like free money, just like off the course. That's insane. Guys. He might retire. I would for yeah. sure. But no, like to, for him to win the FedEx Cup, though, it would require him now to win That's a true, regular event, which he can't, he won't do. So, well, he's already like. 12 under par or something to start the tour championship. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot about forgot that. that. It's a fucking sweepstakes. I forgot about that. It's an absolute sweepstakes. Are we, are we truly in the nest? I'm kind of excited to watch the tour championship for the first time. In I, I am too. Years. I am too. Yeah. We'll, we'll bury this the, the novelty very end. of it for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. All right. Let's wrap it at that. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to this, tuning to the live show, partaking uh, in social media and whatnot. Uh, open championship week. It was a lot of fun. Major championship season was a blast and, uh, we'll have some content coming to you from the Barracuda this week. Tron and I heading out there. Barracuda. This is a top secret mission that the rest of the guys might be potentially going on. We don't know. Um, and, uh, you'll be hearing from us shortly. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Crack on good, sir. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! 